Hey there everybody and welcome back to yet another episode here on the DCVC podcast. This is your host Akash Bhat and each week I speak to some of the top investors and founders investing and building companies in the diverse tech landscape of India. Well today is yet another amazing episode because we have another unicorn founder joining us here today on the show. My guest today is Chanakya Radhaya, co-founder of Blackbuck. Blackbuck is an Indian logistics company that makes trucking simple for every shipper and trucker. The company has raised over 364 million dollars till date from Tribe Capital, Trifecta Capital, Sequoia, Axel and Tiger Global. I had the chance to sit down with Chanakya and talk about his journey as a founder and everything that he's learned along the way from inception of Blackbuck, the early challenges of company building, disrupting a non-sexy and traditional sector to the growth story and where the company is at today playing a bigger role in enabling and strengthening what is considered India's backbone with respect to logistics the trucking industry there are some fantastic lessons and frameworks for company building and problem solving in this episode and i can't wait to share this with each and every one of you so without any further ado let's head in and listen to my conversation with chanakya Chanakya welcome to the CVC podcast it's an absolute pleasure to host you today and ever since i had the opportunity to uh, make this happen i've been looking forward to it so welcome and how's everything on your end thank you so much akash thank you for having me on the show i uh, really look forward to our conversation today things are great at our end uh, a lot of rains in bangalore recently it's again raining very heavily today but oh. uh, i think uh, Blackbuck is uh, is on a is on a mission to transform the entire trucking industry i think uh, it it takes up pretty much all of my time all of our time i think yeah. that's what we are really uh, keen on executing as we move forward well that's one of the things that i wanted to discuss on today's uh, podcast is we'll take you down memory lane and have some conversations around the early days of the company and all of your learnings per se so I remember growing up in the early days of the 90s and watching a bunch of trucks or lorries as we call it go past my house every other minute as I used to live in what is considered the outskirts of Bangalore back in the day. Now the perception about trucking and logistics for the longest time has been that it's the hardest, slowest and a mafia led industry to crack. So my initial question to you is how do a bunch of graduates from iit end up disrupting the trucking industry considered perhaps one of the most unsexiest in of industries but is the backbone of india's logistics so guys i think we owe a lot to uh, uh, our previous company itc so both rajesh and i used to work uh, at itc earlier mm-hmm. uh, subbu our third co-founder was the uh, uh managing director of a firm called nibak it was a consulting firm in the supply chain industry now when at itc rajesh and i were uh, primarily looking at the supply chain for the leaf tobacco division of itc mm-hmm. so if you look at leaf tobacco and the entire supply chain for tobacco right it's a very long fairly complex supply chain so you procure uh, tobacco from farmers through auction platforms then these uh, uh, tobacco leaves are bailed up right so these bales go into warehouses that they are stored for some time then from the warehouses they go to uh, uh, factories where the initial processing and uh, and uh, threshing of the tobacco leaves happen 
After that, they're stored in, in warehouses for aging for at least 18 to 24 months. And then they go to the cigarette factory for the final cigarette manufacturing. So it's an extremely long supply chain. The entire supply chain is about 24 months long, right? And has multiple hands off, handoffs throughout the process because of the multiple nodes involved in the supply chain. Right. So that's broadly what we were looking at. So my role there was uh, the entire planning vertical of our supply chain, looking at planning in terms of both production, warehousing and transportation. And that's how we uh, came in contact with uh, trucking very closely. Now planning and uh, warehousing Akash are also, sorry, production and warehousing planning are fairly complex, right? But a lot of the levers are in your hands because the factory is yours, right? The warehouses are not yours, but, uh, but operated by three PLs on which you have close control. Trucking was always a, a very, very difficult uh, job for us. We used to move, move about 300 trucks every day uh, in the leaf tobacco division, right? And right. Uh, the typical way the, the entire uh, truck uh, movement would happen or the truck planning would ha happen is that, you know, I, we had a fantastic model that we had built up saying that if I need to optimize my costs and my SLAs, et cetera, right? How many trucks do I need from which warehouse to which warehouse and which factory to which factory, et cetera, right? So it built out all of that. Now, when you actually try and execute that, what happens is you call up your transporters. Now, transporters are pretty much uh, intermediaries in this uh, industry who are aggregators at the mm. end, of, end of the day. They don't own their trucks. So the trucking industry is very fragmented. The average truck owner in India owns about two to three trucks. And there are uh, almost uh, uh, more than 10 million trucks in the country. right? So you can understand the nature of fragmentation in this industry. So you right. can't directly as ITC, I cannot reach out directly to these uh, truck owners because a truck is a dynamic asset. It's moving all across the country. So if I need a truck in Bangalore today, I do not really have visibility of who to call. So what right. I do is I, as ITC, I end up going to these offline aggregators who have their own network of brokers, who have their own network of truckers, right? And that's how the entire information flow goes. So what we used to do was um, typically in the evening, we, for example, I need five trucks today from Bangalore to Delhi. I call up one of my transporters with whom I am in a contract and I tell him, Hey, I need five trucks tomorrow. Right now that transporter of course says, yes, done. Don't worry. Next day, when you turn up to office out of the five trucks, maybe three of them turn up. Right. And the right. remaining two don't turn up. Now, all you can do in this situation is call up the transporter, right? maybe uh, shout at him, ask him, where are the remaining two trucks? The transporter then calls his brokers. So he would be in touch with say five or 10 brokers in his mm -hmm. network, trying to procure that truck. He calls up the brokers, where are the remaining two trucks? He starts shouting at them. The brokers then also have a network of truckers that they are in touch with. They reach out to those truckers. They keep shouting at them, where is the truck? The truckers reach out to their drivers. Drivers are the ones who are actually moving the truck. They know where exactly the truck is. Yeah. Then they start shouting at them. And that entire chain continues down the line. Right. right. So it was always a nightmare for us in terms of uh, planning to execution of trucking, of transportation at ITC in our, in our division. And there was also a reverse situation. So it's not like we always do things right. Right. So what happens is, uh, you plan for five trucks, three turn up next day. You believe that, okay, let me outsmart my transporter. If I need five trucks, I'll ask him for seven trucks. So I end up saying, okay, I, I'm putting a little bit of buffer in my planning. So give me seven trucks tomorrow. Hmm. Now in a, in an ideal scenario, sometimes what happens is that all seven trucks turn up to the factory next day. Yeah. When all seven trucks turn up, you only have material for five. Five. So the entire uh, entire chain is repeated, but in reverse. Huh. So the driver shouts at the owner saying that my truck is not getting filled. 
owner shouts at the broker, broker at the transporter, transporter at me, right? Yeah. And that's how typically supply chains, uh, unfortunately, in India run today. The primary reason for this is that there is no visibility. There's no uh, uh, digitization of this entire uh, industry. It runs on phone calls. It is running in an offline manner, completely ad hoc. And that is where firsthand uh, both Rajesh and I saw this issue right in front of us. Think that if I want to execute what, what I'm planning, right, I really have no levers to do it. And that's where we also met Subhu. The Subhu is, an, is, is a veteran in the supply chain industry. He used to consult us. So he so when we were setting up our supply chain, Subhu and team were consulting us on how to set it up, right? And he was, of course, in touch with his team, would be in touch with multiple corporates across, across the, the country, right? That's where we uh, took advice from him and he told us, it's not you, right? Don't worry. Don't put the blame on yourselves. It's happening across uh, industries, across across uh, uh, supply chains. Chain. And yeah. the issue is transparency. Issue is visibility. Issue is digitization. Hmm. That is where the three of us then came together and said, hey, this is, this is a large industry. This is a problem that we have faced uh, firsthand, something that we understand a little bit of to some extent. Why don't we try and bring technology in, into this industry to solve for the fundamental problems of the industry? Right. And as you rightly said, this is the backbone of of how of how the economy operates. Uh, trucking today is about eight uh, seven to eight percent of our GDP. It's a right. very very large spend for the country. It's a huge industry running offline, happening through calls, at best through emails, maybe through WhatsApp. Uh, in terms of technology, that's the, probably the most amount of penetration there was before BlackBot. So how do we therefore get technology into, into this industry? That was the genesis of, uh, of how we came into trucking, of how BlackBot started off. Well, that's a fascinating story because there are a lot of similarities between how Ola or Uber kind of disrupted the taxi space as well. Kind of similar story with respect to trucking, but I'm guessing more difficult in terms of just trying to aggregate all of this into like one central repository. Now, typically I ask a question to a founder, did they really know how difficult this was going to be? And the reason I do that is because, you know, many unicorn founders who have been on the show look back at their journey and tell me that they didn't know or expect how hard it was going to be. While building businesses are never easy and the learning is incredibly rewarding, but at the same time taxing to say the least, it's, it's also something that may have been a little bit of an oversight because when you look back today, while you may have had the insight of the fact that it's a very broken industry, when you start building the company, you realize it's much harder than what you anticipated. So take us back on these early days and share what that looked like and perhaps even a couple of stories or anecdotes and conversations with fleet managers or people alike that reflect the amazing story that we don't really get to hear. Sure, Akash. When we started Blackbook, uh, there was always an optimism that you know we'll 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 make this successful. Yeah, I think uh, that was the optimism that pervaded through the early years and still continues to uh, pervade through us. Right, we have not solved this problem yet. There's yeah. a long way to go for us to uh, really say that we've uh, we have uh, done something substantial. But I think we're on the right path. In the early days, there was always the optimism that that we'll figure out. Uh, and when I look back at it now, we always believed that this would be tough, right? I think we are under no presumptions that this, this would be a very easy industry to crack. We had seen it firsthand uh, and we knew the complexities of that, that arise in this industry in terms of the heavy operational nature 
of how the entire uh, industry operates today so we did realize that it would be a difficult industry i think what uh, what when i look back at it today what uh, uh, surprises me is the way that the entire business of blackbuck has evolved mm-hmm. from where we started to where we are today there is a there is a significant difference in terms of the route that we have taken to solving this problem while the problem remains the same the route that we have taken to the to solving the problem has actually evolved quite a bit yeah. over the last 7 years when we started off we were uh, uh, we were a pure play uh, uh, marketplace for large enterprises right? that mm. was the route that we have taken saying hey we'll go to large enterprises so the hul itc reliances of the world we'll take their uh, shipments on our on contract then we'll reach out to truckers and we'll build a platform a technology platform an app for the truckers something for the uh, shippers and get get to match them right mm. today where we are at is actually a very very different way of looking at the same problem so today we have evolved into an end to end platform focused on truck owners as a core customer okay so what we are doing today is we are saying hey as a truck owner in your entire life cycle of of your journey as a trucker what are the issues that you face and therefore how can i digitize each and every part of what mm. you are doing and make blackbuck as the end to end platform to serve all of your trucking needs So as a truck owner when you buy a truck how can blackbook facilitate that entire transaction of buying and selling of trucks how can blackbook facilitate the entire transaction of financing the buying of a second hand truck of a used commercial vehicle after you bought a truck the first thing you need is to find a shipment for your truck how mm. can blackbook help you connect with shippers to find the right shipment to the right destination at the right price for your truck once your truck is on the road you need to do the entire tolling transactions fueling transactions right how do i enable you to do all of that on the blackbuck app through a click of a button rather than doing it through cash as i normally do and of course once uh, uh, once a truck is on the road how do i give a truck owner the visibility of where the truck is what is happening with the truck in case of theft in case of any issues in case the driver is not picking up the phone how does he have control of what the truck is that is what our telematics business does by right. giving that entire visibility to the truck owner so it's been a it's been a big change in terms of how we view the business today versus what we viewed it earlier uh, when we started off uh, and i think we have been helped a lot by the changes in the macro environment as well when you look at 7 uh, years back versus today mm-hmm. two large changes that have really positively impacted us in some form one was uh, the entire uh, uh, entire uh, uh, change in terms of fast tag in the indian uh, uh, in the indian uh, 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 national highways right so mm-hmm. the government mandated in 2019 uh, that every truck every vehicle in india needs to have a fast tag to be able to pass through the tolls if you don't have a have a fast tag you end up paying double in cash today right right so that entire shift was something that helped us to really acquire truck owners at scale because it became a mandate by the government there was no place for the truck owners to turn except for blackbuck we were the only mm. platform out there which was offering this entire tolling service that really helped us to scale and then of course covid hit right in 2020 i think during covid while it was uh, it it's uh, very unfortunate in terms of what has happened to the uh, overall economy in the beginning of covid but rapidly there was a strong recovery and truck owners also realized during the entire phase of covid that you cannot run your business offline 
There needs to be there is a power in technology. When COVID happened, the entire network got dispersed, right? And as a truck owner, when you need uh, uh, when you need a shipment, you you really did not could not turn to your usual sources. So what happened as a result was using the Blackbuck app, they were able to find new sources of uh, shippers, and that has really turned them around in terms of the technology penetration. Early on in 2015, 2016, when we used to go to these truckers, a lot of them did not even have a smartphone. Mm. Initially, I would say about uh, about maybe one in two shippers, uh, one in two truckers did not have a smartphone, right? Leave alone using a Blackbuck app. Right. And we had to really educate them on why technology makes a difference, what is critical in tech in technology. Today, this entire industry is changed, right? With the yeah. entire revolution of internet and smartphone penetration in the country, with the mandate of fast tag. with the entire disruption that covid has caused now every single trucker that you meet on ground whether it be a one truck owner or a 100 truck owner will have a smartphone will have the will have internet on a smartphone at the very least will be using uh, uh, use using whatsapp and today one out of every three of these truckers would be using the blackbook app as well then that is the that is the difference that is a difference that we seen in this industry so far the yeah. early days were very challenging in terms of getting these truckers to even adopt a smartphone adopt yeah. technology right that has i think uh, changed quite a bit as you've moved over the years well you clearly have highlighted a couple of tailwinds and uh, headwinds as well you know headwinds being the fact that a lot of truck owners um perhaps don't have access to technology or even if they did were not really open to using technology at at scale as they are doing right now and you also talked about how covid and a couple of other black swan events were you know really helping the business move ahead in terms of being just a tailwind now while you take this into perspective today you have obviously the luxury of hindsight and you're able to look back and look at what the journey has been and where the improvements have come about only within your own business but when the early days when you know you guys are going after and trying to speak to truck drivers trying to understand how this quote unquote mafia is led especially in our country what were those conversations like outside of you know headwinds with respect to just technology adoption were there was there any pushback with respect to trying to like bring all of this into a digital space trying to aggregate all of this into one central repository um where it kind of felt like you were almost taking a little bit of the money away from uh, people who had been there done that you know done it very in an offline manner for a, for the longest period of time possible now the reason i asked that is also because previously when i was speaking to chaitanya ramlinge god of uh, wakefit he was mm-hmm. talking about how the offline retailers were obviously very much against you know having anything online and it took them a long time to have um you know share the education of why anything online would be complementary to their existing business so very similarly how long was that learning period for your customers and the early days what did the challenges and conversations look like that kind of like then pipped them over the line and what was that tipping point for them to like say hey you know what this is the point that we probably can even give it a try forget about covid coming down like maybe 5 years or yeah 5 years ish since the inception that early days there must have been a lot of resistance to even adopt something like this sure i think uh, akash trucking gets a very bad rep in india primarily yeah. i think influenced a lot by some of the movies that we see <laughs> where uh, a lot of the villains typically are truck drivers truck owners right and i think uh, unfortunately that uh, that image is 
completely incorrect if you ask me and mm. there's a, always a feel that there's a trucking mafia that it is all happening uh, in 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 cahoots with each other right there's a lot of uh, uh, unionization in this industry which is not leading uh, for them to adopt things right that mm-hmm. is all absolutely incorrect if you ask me right mm. most truck owners in india are small businessmen they mm-hmm. own two or three trucks they are spread across the across uh, uh, the entire geography of india mm-hmm. primarily in tier 3 tier 4 towns and villages in the country mm. right they are honest businessmen they want to make an honest living right nobody is is out there to uh, sort of uh, be a mafia here in this right. industry right i think it's just that uh, because the industry is so complex and you don't really see as a, as a consumer you don't get uh, in, you don't interface with a truck in your usual life right and therefore yeah. we create an image of these truck owners as goons or as uh, as people who have you know who are trying to uh, 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 trying to gouge money etc etc it, it's not real and that that was something that while we understood it at itc to some extent but when we started blackbook and really met the uh, met these truck owners right we understood to a much much better extent mm. all of these guys the, the primary challenge that we faced from them was never about not coming online or not or saying that technology will disrupt my life etc they were always open okay to technology the issue that they had was they had never experienced technology mm. they had never seen a smartphone they had never used the internet one and one out of two guys did not even have a smartphone mm-hmm. the guys who had a smartphone a lot of them did not have internet the guys who had internet were primarily using it for whatsapp and youtube had never used a business app in their life right yeah i think that was uh, uh, what we found out on ground that when you go out and you talk to them you understand their challenges and you come up with a solution that actually helps them and that actually adds value to their business they right. were more than open to mm. talking about it there was no pushback at all that we ever faced from truckers saying that hey i i do not trust technology right there yeah. is always a trust gap yes but that that trust gap stems from the fact if you are trying to do digital marketing in this industry and saying that i'll put my ads on facebook and google and yeah. all of that and then i expect truckers will come in and start using my app that does not happen because that's not where they spend their time that's yeah. not where they spend their time and and they're not native to uh, uh, to clicking on uh, google ads and facebook ads and installing an app and using it for a, for a business right they'll never pay uh, right. pay online on an app right yeah. that, that's not how their mind works Yeah. that is where we have spent a lot of our time in the over the last 7 years as well and it's been a journey right. when we went in the initial days just trying to help them to understand why buying a smartphone is important why having internet is important itself was a challenge for us yeah with the entire geo revolution happening in india with the entire internet revolution smartphone penetration going up right those challenges over the uh, first few years started coming down mm. and what we have done extensive the akash has uh, spent a lot of time in building out a team on ground mm. which is solely focused on going visiting these truck- truckers physically mm. helping them understand what technology means helping them understand the power of the internet helping them even open bank accounts so that mm. they can start using a fast tag and that is where we have spent a lot of energy a lot of effort on ground in terms of educating our truckers making them aware of it we have never pushed uh, had a pushback in terms of people saying that hey i don't believe technology won't work yeah the pushback has always been that i want to learn but how right help me understand it come here teach me 
mm. and help me see the power of this so i think uh, trucking is actually a, a most truck owners in india are very very honest business folks they want to grow they want to learn they want to they they have aspirations to continue to grow their business they want have aspirations to actually build out a business their children can be proud of and yeah. to change the entire reputation of this industry itself mm. and i think slowly over a period of time technology will have that effect right the the new generation entrepreneurs in, in trucking the sons of these truck owners they have started slowly coming back into this industry they have started seeing that hey now i can run this industry on a black buck app right now i can run my trucks check my trucks what is happening with my trucks on the app i can do my entire fueling and tolling online without having to pay cash mm. and they have started coming back and started uh, 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 changing the way that they also view this industry so i think it's unfair how trucking gets a uh, gets a poor image in the country but that is something that we are also keen on changing yeah. and uh, that is something that we have seen that uh, there is no pushback from truckers it's only and only about education awareness which they lack because of not being native to digital solutions that is the biggest uh, uh, biggest stumbling block that we have faced in the past and something that we continue even today mm. to keep harping on keep educating them because there's a mix of a physical and digital strategy that we have to employ to ensure yeah. that truckers are able to get more and more comfortable with digital solutions like backpack you know you bring up a couple of really good points there and um, i don't think it's just the reputation with respect to india i think trucking worldwide gets a bad reputation as such i might be sitting here in the us but uh, one of the hardest sectors to even crack here has been trucking and it still gets bad reputation because of representation in popular media and culture it could be tv shows movies and the way that you know people have historically written about these industries the kind of people who work in these industries get bad reputation as well and the moment you think about trucking right the first perception about somebody driving a truck owning a truck or being part of this industry you have an image already in your head you kind of know what this person's already wearing you picture them in a certain scenario where they eat what they talk how they talk what is their behavior how do they look at the world it's very very narrow minded sort of look into the industry and how the industry looks outside so it's a very bad representation that we've as consumers or as just lay people have had about the industry now you talked about two points there which i want to go back and forth on of course we spoke about you know taking you back memory lane some of the early days but you also talked about how covid had been a big revelation for a lot of these truck owners in terms of introducing them to black buck and um, more importantly technology and they have they had to understand that this is the time that they've either you evolve or you perish that's the name of the game right absolutely so while that transition happened you know like black swan events and the government coming up with fast tag mandate that kind of really propelled and helped the industry moving forward when there times like covid or when there times like fast tag which which has been introduced and uh, you 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 really see a a surge in demand and you see a lot more customers walking through the door it presents a different challenge altogether because um, i mean i love this one quote written by um, octopus ventures back in 2000 they uh, 2020 they wrote a uh, a very famous blog which goes on the lines of the skills that it takes to run the company in the early days is very different from the skills that it takes to grow the company So from your own perception and the learnings that you have had as a founder when you look back at the growth story 
what have you learned and what has been the biggest learning that's come about in your in your opinion and it doesn't really have to be from a business point of view as well it can also be a personal learning that you've had while seeing the growth story play out in the last 3 years sure i think the biggest uh, takeaway that i have uh, kash in the, over the last 7 and a half years that we've built blackbook is that you can't plan plan out the story you would love to plan it out and you'd love things to go exactly how you pictured it but it doesn't happen that way you need to be open to opportunities that present themselves along the way and i think uh, the entire game of uh, at least of uh, the entire thought process about of being uh, successful as an entrepreneur over, over the period of time i think would be that there has to be a certain amount of persistence in what you're doing yeah right you need to be persistent at it there are high points there are low points and if you are there if you believe that there's an industry which eventually something will come up something will work you have to be persistent about it and of course there is a lot of fortune also a lot of luck also that 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 is there along the way so there is a certain amount of serendipity that i think uh, uh, works uh, works in all companies that i have at least seen which are successful yeah and that serendipity is not just pure luck but also comes from a lot of persistence over the period of time so just sticking on to something believing in it right and being optimistic about it while of course being pragmatic in, in terms of how you are uh, going about the entire build up that i believe is something that uh, is critical you need to be at it and eventually along the way whenever an opportunity does come up you need to be flexible enough adaptable enough to take advantage of that opportunity when it presents itself and i think that's what has happened to us also along the way right again if you look at it uh, what we were doing 7 years back it's very different to what we do today while the overall objective remains the same right we're still working with truck owners we're still working with shippers we're still trying to uh, uh, digitize this entire ecosystem but the way that we are doing it has been shaped by a lot of things which we would have never imagined to begin with so being open to those opportunities has been uh, a very key part of what we have learned at blackbox so far and of course there's a long way to go i think uh, what we've done so far uh, is is minuscule in terms of what this industry really will evolve into as we move forward so being open being uh, uh, persistent and really taking advantage of opportunities along the way is is key to be able to scale up and to be able to really go from uh, 0 to 1 and 1 to 10 and then from 10 to 100 as you move forward yeah in that journey you also probably want to hire people who've been through the journey themselves or are people who can quickly evolve to the needs and demands of the business because there are 0 to 1 people who do a fantastic job and some people just continue to be 0 to 1 people throughout their lives and there's nothing wrong with that and they are the people who get businesses off the ground and then you have 1 to 10 people who do a tremendous job in growing businesses and getting to that great growth stage and then you have people who take it all the way from the growth stage to whatever the eventuality is which is either going public or getting acquired by a different company or having an exit through maybe a private equity which hasn't really happened as much in in indian tech at least now while you're also building this out and having to go through this journey yourself and attracting the right kind of people who are going to be part of this vision and mission 
it's not an easy job to make sure that you know the business is sticking on all uh sticking all the boxes along the way and i have seen on this side you know i've made about uh, 21 investments in uh, companies and we've had a couple of breakout companies who have gone out to uh, hit the unicorn club have uh, gone on to become techicons you know, for that matter now one of the challenges that i have seen that founders admit to is the fact that hiring is probably the hardest thing that they will do mm-hmm. you know the business is at the end of the day the once you build the foundation of it if you hire the right people then you can grow on that foundation you can build on that foundation but attracting the right people who are both a culture fit who are a stage fit but more importantly a problem fit and mm-hmm. we don't talk about the problem fit enough because while the talent might have the opportunity and you know have have had the opportunity in the past to prove themselves it may not be a guarantee for success into the future because they may not be a problem fit mm-hmm. and i try to explore what I, when i heard that from a founder within my portfolio say that that for the first time took me aback i'm like ha huh, that's a very interesting way of looking at talent and making sure you're bringing the right people into the mix who are able to help you scale at whatever level you are now while you were in a very similar situation where perhaps it's you know hiring the right people or in some cases unfortunately things don't work out and you have to let go of people these are tough decisions for any founder alongside all of the business challenges that present itself on a day to day basis mm-hmm. or even a minute to minute basis in a in a in a supply chain sort of industry that you're part of what kind of frameworks thought process mental models do you use or have you developed over time that has kind of given you the recipe for success in a sense wherein today if challenges present yourself you kind of know how to go about it but that learning can only happen over time it continues to shape you as an individual over a longer period of your career and perhaps even your life but there needs to be those foundations that need to be need to be set up now that could be some experience though you've had as a as a child as a teenager probably uh, something that you've picked up along your uh, undergrad days or something that you just were thrown into the mix when you got into this business and you have had to eventually adapt yourself to so when you have to make tough decisions with respect to anything right i just used hiring as a an example there anything yeah. any tough decision how do you approach a problem and what is your framework in um, breaking that down and eventually hoping that you have the right solution in this sure sure akash akash i think uh, as a, as a founding team i believe that we are very blessed to have a mix of folks right so the three of us uh, uh, rajesh subbu and i think we are blessed in terms of having a very uh, very common set of values that mm. all of us believe in but having enough differences in terms of the way that we approach things so as an example i uh, i think i am a very very rational pragmatic person so when i do any kind of problem solving with anything right i look at data and analyze it very logically and then i come to a rational conclusion mm. now when it comes to people rational conclusions are not always the right conclusions and that's where i rely very heavily on my other two co-founders right. subhu as a person is a very very uh, empathetic person very people oriented loves interacting and uh, understands people to the core understands mm. their motivations right rajesh i think is a mix of uh, both of us right pragmatic at the same same time has that feel for people as well very strongly he has uh, i think uh, taken up uh, and evolved into the uh, ceo role in a fantastic fashion and i have seen him personally evolve into this in the last 7 years being able to take decisions 
very very uh, uh, in a, a very uh, rational manner but also having that people angle to it mm. and personally if you ask me i'm very blessed to have two such founders because i rely a lot on their decision making as well so when i have a tough problem like i told you my approach is very pragmatic very rational and can some some sometimes miss out on the soft aspects of it that's right. where i go to these guys and also take a sign off from them in terms of their decision making and i think that's uh, that's a dynamic that happen on both on all of the sides right so when they have a difficult decision to make right i think because we have a common set of values we know that at the end of the day all of us think on a fundamental level in the same with the same point of view and of course all of us will always take a decision in the interest of blackbuck will always take a decision which is right for blackbuck rather than trying to optimize for any, for any uh, anything else mm. so that trust is very very strong between the three of us and therefore when we approach each other for any kind of uh, validation of uh, of the decision that we are making we are also very open to critiquing each other and listening to that critic and taking that feedback uh, in the right manner that to me i think uh, is is extremely valuable because really helps to understand uh, uh, different aspects different views on the same issue and subbu for example uh, is extremely uh, much more experienced than i am right he has a world of experience in in not just in supply chain but but as a managing director of of nibak earlier he's had he's faced a lot of the issues that we used to face in our early days so being able to learn from him absorb understand and really take his inputs into it has also really helped us evolve in terms of the way that we make decisions today and decision making is both i think now that at least i have also evolved over the last 7 years i think decision making to me comes from two parts of it so a lot of it today i give value to instinctive reactions as well so when a problem comes up what do what do my instincts say because over the last 7 years instincts have also sharpened they have evolved and if something feels wrong or something feels right i start giving a lot of value to it and then on top of that layering it with data layering it with logic understanding whether my what my instincts saying instincts are saying are, are is it is it correct not correct and really trying to justify it with some amount of rationalization as well is how typically i do my decision making today no i love that for a variety of reasons because um you know one of my favorite quotes of all time and this was uh vr feroz who is the head of um, sap labs who talks about education internally within sap had given us a guest lecture when i was in business school and uh, that quote has lived with me for the last 6 years and it goes something on the lines of humble people feel that they're not in charge and arrogant people feel that they are and it certainly feels like you're of the former kind wherein you kind of definitely feel like you know there are a lot of things that are happening around you you definitely are providing and giving um, you know credit to people who are you know in and around your team who to uh, who kind of like supported your framework development over the years and over the course of time the role of founders definitely changes now we talked about you know the fact that in the early days you're trying to set the business up you're trying to understand uh, whether this is a problem that you can go out and solve yourself finding product market fit all of that and during the 1 to 10 journey the role of founders 
eventually change. And when that growth phase kicks in, where it's a 10 to 100 journey, the role of the founders don't typically look the same as they did back in the day. You know, your role evolves into becoming enablers rather than doers yourself. So how have you seen your own personal role evolve over the years? And what has kind of given you the most satisfaction as a founder? And perhaps even maybe if you could touch upon one or two things that really has been a little bit of a difficult pill for you to swallow yourself with the evolution of where the company is today. No, I think personally, it's been a, it's been a very tough journey to uh, change yourself uh, with the scale of the company. And that's something that uh, I don't think anything would have prepared me for this. So you can only learn this on the way as you go. And uh, uh, initially, as you absolutely correctly called out, when we started off, we were doing everything, right? I was on the ground. I was talking to all of these truck owners. I was getting them on the platform. I was helping them uh, understand how to use technology. And all of that was a thrill to begin with, right? Going there, getting that feedback from a trucker, whether good, whether bad, you know, at least you know that what you're doing is having some impact on ground. And that creates a sense of thrill. And then the entire execution is in your hands. So you know that, you know, whatever happens, you are the one responsible for it. Now, as you start scaling, you have to learn how to let go of that control. And that to me was uh, very difficult and it continues to be difficult. Being able to let go of control, being able to build a team who you can blindly trust. You don't end up micromanaging. You don't end up going into and solving their problems for on their behalf because that does not empower them. And then uh, that also pisses off a lot of people, right? And rightly so. So being able to learn to let go of that control to me was always the most difficult part and still is. Where do you strike that balance? Because again, on the flip side of it, I don't think you should also completely let go. That is my philosophy. I think having a touch on the ground, having a connect on the ground, especially in the kind of business that we're running, which is a work in progress, that is extremely critical in the entire scheme of things. So you cannot also completely lose touch and say, and start doing decision-making without having an understanding of what is happening on ground. So how do you build that balance between understanding what is happening, what is reality, what your customers feel about you and about your product and about your services versus also empowering your team and letting them take decisions on their own without trying to micromanage them. That's a fine balance, which is extremely, which I have found to be very difficult to, uh, uh, difficult to uh, track. And that to me has been the biggest learning in terms of uh, building out a fantastic team as a, as a founder of a, of a company that has scaled to this extent today, my primary role today is actually hiring people, right? If you ask me that that's my biggest role, right? Hiring the right set of folks who you can completely depend on, completely trust to take the business to the next level. And really, as you said, enabling them, ensuring that they have the tools in their hands to be able to make uh, the right decisions and they are empowered to do it and solving any kind of problems that they have, which they cannot solve going there. And only in those cases, really solving it out for them, working with them and doing all of this while also having the perspective of what the customer actually believes. So even today, for example, I, I continue to do a lot of field visits. Uh, so I'd be traveling, say, a week every month, 
where i'll i'll be on ground meeting my customers meeting the uh, uh, meeting their team on the ground understanding what they go through understanding what issues the customer faces and every time i go on ground every every time i meet a customer there's always something that surprises you and then when you come back and really think about the problem that you're trying to solve you realize that without that perspective you would have ended up solving it in the wrong way and that i think is uh, is is the balance that today i try to strive for but uh, again i think it's it's honestly it's work in progress something that uh, i'm i'm still learning as a founder how to sort of balance it out and uh, and hire the right sort of folks believe in them and let them also fly while also having uh, the perspective of what customers want those are fantastic points and i think um, you know i've been as a founder on the other side with one successful business and one company that unfortunately um, had to shut down and uh, in both right i think the, there was a fine line between success and failure the fine line in my opinion was that what we did really well in the first company which um, was founded almost 14 years ago was that we were able to like quickly every day be humble at the same time know, know that we didn't know the answers we didn't have the answers and at the same time tell our customers and communicate every single minute with our customer and tell them that yes this we don't have this we have this we have introduced this educate them about the fact that we are solving their problem every single day and that direct conversation and transparency with our customers not only made them feel that we made them part of the company building process but also gave them some sort of like false sense of ownership that you know they were really doing this with us so there was trust that was being built internally without us even knowing it or subconsciously maybe we were doing it but we didn't do it consciously for sure and i can admit that now the second time around when we were doing it we were a bit more arrogant you know we un- we thought we understood i mean the second company that um you know i was part of the founding team was a food delivery company which is probably one of the hardest companies or hardest industries to be a part of and we realized there that we weren't communicating enough and that realization only came after we shut down the company that looking back when we did a post what am i like oh we didn't speak to our customers enough we didn't really understand what the pain points were the point, pain point was not delivering food the pain point was making sure that there was discoverability there was understanding who the person was what did they want to see how would they like the food to be delivered how did they want the food to taste is not something that we could do that was definitely down i mean they would eventually pick brands and companies and restaurants that they liked right. so that was definitely not on to us and that's where we ended up focusing a lot more on is just trying to make that restaurant experience better even though we didn't own some of the assets now very similarly to you there are a lot of assets that you don't own in the business Mm-hmm. but you definitely are in a business where you got to streamline that whole end to end supply chain so there will be aspects that you can own there be aspects you can't own and there'll be things outside of your control mm-hmm. now when things sometimes don't go according to plan and you know there are things with outside of your control which definitely um, is work in progress as you try to bring a lot of stakeholders on board how have you solved for that in the interim you know when things Yeah, I'm talking about the growth phase now. In the, in the mm-hmm. interim, when you know, in spite of having a a built a robust infrastructure that easily allows a lot of people to like just be part of the platform, you still talked about the massive opportunity that India presents. So perhaps you've tapped into let's say ten percent of the market right now, and the potential is getting to the the rest of the ninety. I'm just giving an arbitrary number here. I'm sure you have a bigger market share. How do you look at this problem in terms of just 
constantly speaking to our customers and growing and understanding that this is something that needs to be done hand in hand with them. And mm-hmm. with that problem presenting itself, how do the founders and the team visualize implementing it and then constantly changing it over time? I know there are a couple of questions, nuances kind of built into uh, in, in like three, four questions, but I hope what I was trying to say has come across to you. Yes, Akash. So like I said, as, as, a, as a founding team and as a culture, what we try and uh, imbibe into everyone within the team is is to be as close to the customer as possible. Do not make decisions which are uh, 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 which are in isolation of any customer feedback. So every decision that we make today in every part of our business always comes after we have taken a feedback from the customer on whether that decision makes sense for the customer or not. And I think that that's where we also as a, as a founding team, as a leadership team, all of us try to live up to that philosophy philosophy where we are going on ground, meeting customers, and we encourage all of our team members to ensure that they do the same every month, that they don't work in isolation of trying to uh, logically solve a problem without having a feel of what the customer wants as, uh, as they do it. Right. And that's where I think uh, that's where we see that a lot of this uh, uh, decision-making that happens within Blackbook, especially at, at, in the growth part of our journey stems from real problems. We were always guilty in the past, uh, Akash, of, uh, of having a bias towards execution, right? I think probably at a, at a zero to one, one to 10 stage, that's a good thing to have, where you end up doing lots of things, trying out multiple stuff, things work, things don't work. It's okay. You can, you know, uh, 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 break things, move fast, right? That kind of philosophy that probably works well in the initial stage. But when you move to a growth stage, right, trying to have a bias for execution actually becomes a, a, a counter to what you're trying to achieve as a company. And that is one of the learnings that we've also developed in terms of being much more thoughtful about decision-making, being much more thought, thoughtful about every single thing that we do, rather than jumping into execution and then saying that, okay, we'll figure out what, what happens later. And then we'll take a call on whether to extend this or not, whether to do it or not. Right. I think that philosophy doesn't work at a larger scale because it starts affecting more and more of your customers. And it starts affecting, uh, 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 the kind of culture also that you have in the company. So moving from a very, very quick execution mode to becoming more thoughtful in nature, I think is a, is a journey that needs to happen. Today, I don't think we're in a phase where we can just go and say, let's do 10 things. Let's, uh, even if it affects our customers, doesn't matter. We'll, we'll roll back, right? We have to be much more thoughtful, much more concerted about what kind of decisions we are making. How does it affect our customers and how does, how do our customers feel about that? That is, I think the biggest change, uh, Akash, that has happened, uh, in the growth journey where we have become, uh, very, very, uh, uh, very, very thoughtful in terms of every single decision that we make today without, of course, being too bureaucratic about it. Right? There's a difference between being bureaucratic and having sign offs from 10 people, right? We don't do that. But what we still do is every decision that you're making, you need to ensure you spend enough time thinking about the pros and cons, right? You are writing a, a, a note on it to be clear why you're making that decision rather than just jumping into it and then saying, okay, we'll figure out uh, what happens. 
So that has been one of the biggest changes that we've made over the over the growth journey. Now, one of the reasons I asked that question was almost to tee you up to what Steve Jobs had most famously said, which is, customers don't really know what they want, and the moment you give them something that they want, they will pr- probably come to you. Now, that's a very different approach to take for a very different industry. While it's not applicable to anything. Does that school of thought somewhat translate to your industry as well, wherein sometimes you probably have to take that decision because the feedback that you're getting might be a, at some level scale, mm-hmm. a smaller solution as opposed to the bigger picture, which perhaps the founders are able to see because they work in this live, breathe and able to have a bigger insight into all aspects of the supply chain, wherein the players that you work with on a day-to-day basis are working in silos across the supply chain. And having the luxury of that 30,000 feet view gives you that opportunity to think about this from a holistic. So were there instances where you perhaps have to have take that independent decision in spite of getting maybe contrary uh, feedback from uh, your customers? That's a great point. I think uh, the kind of uh, industry that we are in, if, if, if I talk about the different services that we look at, Akash, so for example, uh, on, on the free to side of things, we have... Uh, payments as a business where we look at tooling and fueling right digitally through the black book app there's the entire telematics business which is all about tracking of the truck being aware of what is happening with the truck at every stage of its journey and there's the marketplace where i'm matching a truck owner to a shipper now some of these businesses uh, things like payments for example we take customer feedback very very critically there we look at it very seriously there because these are things that customers are used to, they understand now, probably in the beginning stages, not so much, but now they understand a lot of it very well. So when we make a change, we need to be cognizant about the, what the customer wants. However, when it comes to a concept like marketplace, customers do not understand the concept of a digital marketplace. So when we started building out the freight marketplace, you go to a customer and you try and understand about the marketplace, right? He'll not be able to answer it because he does not know what marketplace means. However, what is important is understanding the pain point of the customer. So when I hear that quote from Steve Jobs, what I real, what I believe that quote means is that you should not take what customers ask for at face value. You need to understand their real motivations, their real pain points, and then solve for those pain points in a way which may not be what the customers necessarily were asking you for. And that's the innovation that you bring in, but the pain point has to be solved. There, there is always a fundamental pain point, which a product is solving, which needs to be understood before you solve for it. You cannot solve for a problem in absence of un- the understanding of the problem itself. And that is where I think, uh, in a problem, like say a freight marketplace, we believe that while you go, if you go and ask a customer, Hey, what changes would you like to make on the, on the app? when it comes to uh, match matchmaking, right? There is absolutely no way a question like that could give you any meaningful feedback, right? But if you really want to understand what he needs, you need to ask him, okay, how, how do you operate today? What are the, what are your pain points today in trying to find a shipment, right? When you find a shipment, how do you trust whether the shipper will pay you his entire, uh, uh, will pay you the entire freight in full? How do you know where to send your truck? When you start asking him questions linked to the business, he will give you his honest opinion on, on, on his pain points. The job of 
our team is to ensure that you get all of those pain points in the customer you understand his journey you put himself in your you put yourself in your in, in his shoes and really understand the problems that he faces on a day to day basis and then you come back and innovate on it you cannot solve a problem without understanding the complexity the nuances of the problem so if i sit here and think okay imagine i am a truck owner and therefore i i face abcd issues and therefore this is the problem this is the solution that i sh- I, sh- I should be solving for right that does not work you need to sit with the truck owner you need to understand live his life understand the problems he faces and then you come back and build out the innovation on top of that that is really what uh, i believe uh, works irrespective of the industry that you are in i think what you've done there is really provide a framework for a lot of young founders in terms of just approaching a problem and trying to understand how to go about solving it because the problem at large might seem like it's very difficult because of the stakeholders that are involved with making that process and deploying a solution but breaking it down in silos in some cases would really help and the great example that you provided was matchmaking if you ask somebody about matchmaking it's very difficult to like find out like i think again a very famous quote is if you had asked somebody back in the 19 uh, sorry in the 1700s you know how would you want, what what's the faster mode of transportation they would have said give me a faster horse Yeah. rather than saying give me a better car or they didn't have an idea of that so i think it comes down to the similar logic is trying breaking it down and understanding what the problem is but then trying to give them a solution that they probably don't have any insight about which kind of like works for them while addressing a bunch of other things that is added on top of it as a layer and um, manish tanija who is a founder of uh, purple um when he was on the podcast he shared this wonderful quote which has lived with me ever since and i keep bringing it up every now and then because the relevance is so true he said that once you hit a high gross margin business don't look for lower gross margin businesses because that's the easiest thing to do but the toughest thing to do as founders is to continue to keep looking for those high margin businesses and you guys have done that pretty successfully because starting off as marketplaces and then trying to like understand every aspect of the supply chain is not easy and it's also not easy to penetrate them and trying launching and entering all of these new sub markets as you go into you've gone into telematics you've gone into analytics you've probably even gone into some sort of messaging you've gone into obviously creating a platform that now give gives access to various stakeholders across the industry so you're almost owning every touch point across the supply chain now doing that is not easy and not knowing or sometimes knowing that you know i probably want to enter this before you enter a different market is also something that is a logical decision and pragmatic way of looking at um, you know uh, the way to go about new new launches as founders when you come across challenges where sometimes there's an opportunity to tap into um, uh, a huge market or there is you know some an event like fast tag has come about where you probably have to adapt and and brace yourselves for change at scale it's never easy to do that and when you are having discussions about what new sectors to enter or what new uh, products to launch how does that decision making process take place internally and uh, in prioritizing things to make sure that while you're addressing various aspect of the business the one that you're addressing right now is perhaps the most important critical thing now it may seem very simple at the outset but for a lot of early stage founders prioritization is probably where you know they make or break the company in the early days because you try and do too much too early and you want your product to look the most beautiful has to have look feel certain way in your head 
but the most common mistake that they that they make is not really getting the product out quickly enough and understanding whether it works or not you know you talked about it yourself you said break things and move quickly now giving some sort of like your learnings back to early stage founders what would your advice be in terms of looking at prioritization and understanding the need and demand of the business today and how to go about with that sure but i think it it is an extremely tough uh, it's been an extremely tough task even for us uh, especially yeah. as a platform because uh, because we are into multiple things as a platform the entire thought process is how do i solve every single pain point of a customer and our customers have lots of pain points right, right. and uh, everything is offline today so there's a lot of opportunity as well in mm. terms of prioritizing so it's always tough for us uh, uh, to say okay sh- what should i tackle next how many things should i sh- tackle parallelly the framework that has worked for us uh, again keeps on changing depending on the stage of the company that we are in so when we started off i think we were very clear that let's look at one core problem and let's solve that will not spread ourselves too thin let's go into one thing and let's really take advantage of that opportunity as we move fast so we started with the entire freight marketplace to begin with that was our core business for the first few years then the opportunity of fast track came up right we recognized very quickly that this is a uh, once in a lifetime opportunity is a grab share market either you end up grabbing a large share or somebody else does right and that's where we were able to uh, make a very strong play when fast track came up we said very clearly we are not going to do anything else this is the primary thing that we are going to focus on for the next one year because the entire understanding was that if i get my customers on the platform through the route of fast track not only do i make revenue but i'm also able to engage and retain my customers in a fantastic fashion because as a as a product if you look at a fast track right you put that on your truck and if you give a great service to the sh- uh, truck owner there is no reason for him to remove that tag and take somebody else's tag right thirdly it's also a strong uh, uh, strong pull in terms of have being a payments business because when when uh, a truck owner is actually putting money into the black buck wallet or in, into the black buck fast tag right what happens is that there's an inherent trust that gets built with black buck when you put money into something you start trusting that instinctively right and that that was an opportunity for us also to build that trust so we rec- recognized very quickly at that point of time that this is an opportunity which will not come back again and we poured our entire energies into fast track as a business and trying to scale that up then as we move forward i think what we evolved into in terms of prioritization is a very simplistic framework which i think work works well honestly i think simple frameworks work work Uh, much better than trying to complicate these problems too much yeah we look at every problem on two axes one axis in, is is in terms of one one axis in terms of what is the kind of uh, engagement that this product or category will give me on the platform because as a platform you want your customers to be as engaged as 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 they can be on the platform so that you can then cross sell them other categories on the platform itself and you can ensure that the churn on the platform is restricted all high engagement categories will have lower churn so we look at how how much engagement does this category have on the platform versus what is the revenue pool now as a business end of the day i think uh, we are we are, are very clear that revenue is is finally what 
we are all driving at right a company needs to grow it needs to keep building more and more revenues and it needs to really solve problems which are also going to give those revenue streams end of the day so what is the kind of revenue pool and the potential of that revenue that can come from this category wherever we see high engagement and high revenue it's a no brainer right that's what you go for of course very few uh, uh, very few businesses would be as simple as that then we optimize for a mix of say revenue and engagement so we look at a matrix of where do i where do i optimize having enough engagement and enough revenue and go for those businesses next anything that is low in either of engagement or revenue we typically tend to shun and say that let's not look at it right now maybe it's much lower on the pecking list and that's how we have today uh, uh, simplified our framework saying do i look at uh, engagement on the platform and revenue on the platform wherever i can have an optimal mix of these two is what i uh, do and as a thumb rule do not get into more than uh, so we are th uh, uh, three founders between us right the intent always is that do not get into too many things where at least one of us can't get into depth if required of that business right so for us that means probably at at, a, at any given point of time three to four things is what we really go after in depth more than that we typically tend to take a call of not doing it right that's how uh, we have uh, built out our framework akash on this i love that you shared that and you know if i were to summarize everything that you shared in that segment i think what you kind of like alluded to also is the fact that we as humans tend to think linearly about the future when it can be exponential you know the underlying subtext there is the fact that while you're addressing one single thing and you're working on one core problem while knowing that there are a couple of other things that you can be working on the future can be exponential it doesn't really mean that you're you're not or you're ignoring some of the other opportunities it just basically means that there's a time and place for that and when that those things fall into place the growth will will eventually be exponential while you have your your sight on it you're not really completely ignoring it and that's kind of something that often doesn't translate to either the customers or sometimes even the investors because i've been on the other side um as an operator and on the other side as as an investor wherein sometimes it's that narrow minded view of what the industry could look like and perhaps not really having a complete view that kind of eventually sometimes doesn't enable investors to take that bet especially in the early days when they don't really know what the market's going to look like where they have all of these typical questions when it comes to disruption of an industry that previously hasn't been disrupted and i think you addressed that very um, beautifully there in that segment and um, you know finally i know we i know we're kind of like over time here as well but i wanted to ask you a question that perhaps you have asked yourself that over a long period of time in your career as well having been through this journey with black park not an easy journey you've obviously done a tremendous job at it uh, become market leaders and all of that what have you learned about yourself along the way as a human being as a person as a co-founder as somebody who's you know been in this industry for a good part of the 7 8 years that now you've been which cuz oftentimes founder years are also like dog years you know 7 or 8 mm -hmm. years in the industry feels like you've been there for about 30 40 years you start graying um you know your the hair on your body much much more than you probably would have so with all of these things considered you know if you were to just look back and be like 
okay this would have you know you had you not taken this path you would have probably done something else i'm sure and you would have been successful at it but the journey would have been completely different but it's so much more different now that you have taken it what have what have you learned about yourself as a human being so when i started black box akash uh, i think the thought so i distinctly remember when we started my take always was that hey i'll do this for 7 to 10 years probably uh, and uh, uh, call it the idealism of youth but probably do an ipo after that and then move on to a different kind of career maybe do something else for the next 7 to 10 years right and uh, and keep trying out new things in in life what i've learned about myself is that i can actually enjoy enjoy doing one thing for a very long period of time i never believed that could happen but 7 years in blackbird and i think uh, being able to do it for 7 more years still feels very very possible that's something i did not think when i started blackbird that i would you know do it or believe i would do it for 15 years on a stretch but i think uh, when you build up something and when you start uh, growing it you also feel very very responsible for it at least i as a person uh, feel a sense of duty towards ensuring that if i started out on a journey here and started out on a mission here until that mission gets proven and to be very honest to you, with you i do not know what proven means right but i believe that when 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 it happens i'll know so until that gets proven right you have a sense of responsibility to see it through and ensure that you are able to uh, uh, you are able to do justice to what you started off with that is i think my learning over the last 7 years that uh, i can actually enjoy doing this for 7 more years right and until i honestly truly believe that this is done and i have justified uh, what we have built out and i can no longer add enough value to it right that's probably when i uh, move on and look at something else that to me 7 years back felt like okay maybe probably 5 7 years that's that's probably how how long it will take and how how long i can take doing something like this i mean it's the it's 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 really having that advantage of hindsight knowing that 7 years 8 years is probably not enough to like continue doing what you're doing because every day the mission changes every year what you're trying to do becomes larger than what it used to be the year before and that really presents itself in terms of you know what you want really want to build and um in this uh, i'm sure you've heard this as well as a very famous matthew mcconaughey um, quote which when he when he when he won the academy award he talked about it he's like i i'm chasing me 10 years down the line mm-hmm. and you're never going to get that because every time you reach that point you're constantly wanting something bigger so your ambition for black buck also grows as the years roll on and uh, i know I, i said the last question was going to be the last question but it's really tempting to ask you another one because this has been such sure. a fascinating conversation and i've learned a lot about how you've gone about with a lot of things is there something that you would probably go back in time and tell your younger self before starting out black path just to brace yourself about the journey very honestly no akash i think uh, uh, i have enjoyed every part of this journey If yeah. I had known some of these things beforehand, I don't think I would have enjoyed it to, to the same extent. Because yeah. we made lots of mistakes as you've done it. So it's always tempting to say, "Hey, could I go back and say, do not make this mistake?" But if you ask me, if we had not made a lot of these mistakes, we would not be where we are today. Because making those mistakes, understanding firsthand, you can always hear people saying, "Do not do this," right? And it's very, uh, it's very difficult to hear someone say, "Do not do this," and then. really apply it to yourself right i have not i have never been able to do it so 
in in my in the in my way of working i need to do something and then fail and then realize okay you know that that was correct that's how i am at least so if i go back and tell myself do not do this i don't think i would have uh, anyways believed myself and i would still done the same thing and i think that was also part of the journey making those mistakes understanding uh, why these things did not work we've tried so many things at blackbuck so a lot of things have not worked but if we had not tried those things what we has worked may not have happened so i don't i i don't think going back and changing things would would actually change uh, things in the positive light where we are today i think we are very grateful for all the learnings along the way that have come through whether it be uh, through mistakes or whether it be through the successes that we've had so i don't think i would uh, i would go back and give myself any advice well i've been asked this question a couple of times myself and i always tell whoever has asked me that question that i tell them that i deserve everything that's happened to me like <laughs> everything that's happened like all the bad things all the mistakes yeah. that i've done i think i deserved it because i was naive enough to think that i knew the answers to that to, to whatever that was happening to me at that point of period in my life and that's only made me a little bit more wiser in a good way the fact that i didn't really know what i was doing at that point of time so um, that's a fantastic note to end this episode on and i think it's been a one of those candid conversations where i've learned a lot about who you are as a person how you approach a challenge a problem any instance in your life and if i were to summarize this episode i think every founder probably should listen to this for a simple reason that you've given them a lot of frameworks in terms of how to approach company building at various stages um in in the life cycle that a company goes through so thank you for being extremely candid very insightful and more importantly it's been a fun conversation where you've been able to share a lot of your anecdotal uh, experiences with us some stories some interactions with your customers um and i hope to bring you on at a later point uh, in on the podcast as well and perhaps we'll talk about the growth journey even more deeper and delve into certain things that we weren't able to touch upon in this uh, episode so super grateful for you and um, really wanted to give uh, amrita a shout out as well for all the coordination helping put this together so um, shout out to her on your team uh, for making this happen so thank you to amrita as well thank you so much akash thank you for having me on the podcast and uh, look forward to interacting with you more in the future as well it was a great uh, conversation i think very very candid questions as well from your side and uh, good to good to interact with you thank you so much for having me Well that concludes this episode with Chanakya but boy was it filled with great insights or what I truly relish the stories frameworks and anecdotes that founders today can take away from this episode which I hope helps them build their companies Well I'm truly grateful for your presence here on the podcast Chanakya and thanks again for sharing some great insights about the black box story with us Well if you're like me and you enjoyed this episode and all the other ones that we've been bringing you so far please go ahead and rate and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting platform it really helps others discover the show but most importantly keeps you updated about all of our future episode releases Now having said that make sure you tune back in again next week because we've got another fabulous unicorn founder here on the show you certainly don't want to miss this one So I hope to see you on the other side next week and until then stay safe everybody and continue to keep hustling.